what's that sound? Are we on the star on the Starship Enterprise? Oh, yep, we are. Because there are a lot of flying objects around these days, Sam. I don't know if you've heard about that. Oh, let's not go there. <laughs> yes, before we came on air, we were talking about how I was actually in a no-fly zone on Sunday. Were you they flying were... a no-fly zone? No, but I was no. in a no-fly zone. Right. Bruce County, when they uh, decided to shoot down uh, a flying object, something in the air. But not a flying object. Feet. Was it yeah. a flying object? Yeah. Well, it was in the air. Yeah. So it was flying. Didn't appear to have wings, I don't think, or anything. Whatever. Yeah. Weird times, Sam. Weird times. I know. That it's probably gonna. We're gonna, probably gonna hear mostly your Adam's apple if you hang it there. Mm-hmm. Like your swallowing mm-hmm. sounds. In it. You got to mm-hmm. put it down further. Clip it under mm-hmm. your shirt over here, like mm-hmm. I did by your armpit. Yeah. We're talking about loving your enemies, and I already have a bunch of enemies today. <laughs> you have a bunch of enemies today? That I need to love, I guess. <laughs> I guess? <laughs> well, we'll see what Jesus has to say about it, but... Yeah, we will. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. actually, it is important to think about this. Like, often people think about loving your enemies as sort of sentimental or, like, idealistic, but uh, Jesus was talking to people who <laughs> were under a conquering army of Romans and whom he was launching off into mission in that hostile environment. So he's not, like, not talking about theoretical. Uh, I'm from a country originally, until I was the age of eight, which I've talked about before, where there were like, literally, there was a lot of violence around, a lot of like, I was in the middle of a war for a period of weeks, but you know, lots of nasty stuff going on. Mind you, that was when I was a kid. But most of the world has not gotten used to the, the relative peace and quiet of life in North America, relative, I know it's not by no means perfect, but people like you are like, I look at you and I think, wow, you guys are really naive. You think like normal is like, there isn't a war going on. I don't think that. I'm, of course I think that now because I've lived most of my life here, but what do you think about like, I think, I think Jesus is preparing his followers for like hostile environments. Yeah, for persecution. Yeah. Uh, many of the, the apostles, well, almost all the apostles were Martyred. Mm-hmm. Many of his disciples were martyred as well. Yeah, many, many martyrs in the in the early church in the first mm-hmm. couple hundred years of Christianity. We're we're in the middle of a battle in the back here, uh, in yes. the three hundreds. So okay. a little bit later than Jesus' time, but we've got uh, the person with the halo. I'm kind of trying to point to my successfully there. You there. The person with the halo. Where? Right there. Who I'm pointing oh, that to. person. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's Saint Martin of Tours. Was a great saint of the early church. Oh yeah. Saint Martin. Hey. And there's a battle going on behind. That way. That way. Up there? Yep. Over there. The Battle of Amiens, Amiens in the south of France. Okay. So he was uh, a soldier in the Roman army at the time when Rome was just emerging out of paganism. Eventually it was Christianized, uh, Christian emperors. But in the 300s, it was going, kind of going back and forth. And at a certain point, he said um, that he had to renounce his. Um, membership of the Roman army because being in the Roman army included loyalty to the emperor who was considered basically like a god. He said, wow. no, I can't do that anymore. And he was accused of being a coward because they, they were expecting a battle the next day. So he said, okay, I'll go in the front lines unarmed. And miraculously, I guess the, uh, the other side, the, 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 the Roman's enemies decided not to fight the battle and he was spared. He became a great saint and leader of Christianity in southern France in the 300s when it was still just emerging. I think many of us are wondering why you decided to talk about St. Martin of Tours today. Because well, we're talking about love of enemies. and Is this feast day coming up or something? Or? No, November 11th actually. He's a patron saint of soldiers. 
Oh, November yeah. 11th. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I didn't know that. Otherwise known as Remembrance Day in this yeah, country yeah. or Memorial Day in the States. You think they picked Remembrance Day on his feast day? I don't know. The was World War One ended November 11th. Yeah. Which was his feast day. Which was his feast day. Interesting. And he was said it he had... feast day back then too? Yeah, already, I think. Yeah, yeah okay. he's, he's from the 300s, eh? Well, I know, but sometimes they change the feast days. Right. True enough. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't actually know the history of the, the date of his feast. Okay, well, it's a cool coincidence anyway, if it is a coincidence. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think it's, my, my own feeling is it's providence, but it's also, oh, providence. Well, it's, I just mean, it's a, it's providential then, let's say. The, it's nice. We've got our Star Trek sound effect in the background, and I was thinking about how, like, you do that again? I was going to go across like that. The doors open and close with the compressed air. Anyway. Or something. Or something. Uh, whenever they were going to send down a scouting party to a planet that they'd never been before, they had to prepare them for potentially a hostile environment, right? So in a way, that was a bit like Jesus sending his disciples into the Roman world, which mm -hmm. is a hostile environment. And Christians have options like everyone else does in a hostile environment. Like how do you engage? How do you fight? What, what are you supposed to be doing? Why are you even there? Um, and I think, um, like I was mentioning as well earlier on, uh, I listened to a, a talk this morning while I was getting some other work done from about six years ago by a, by a, a Christian thinker named Tim Keller, who's a Presbyterian evangelical pastor, and Jonathan Haidt, who's a free speech academic kind of person, just talking about how we're supposed to deal with these um, situations that we're in right now where there's a lot of hostility towards Christianity or traditional views of, of uh, even free speech. And Haidt is like a secular Jew, basically an atheist, but who has a lot of appreciation from an evolutionary point of view, which I don't share um, for Christianity and the values it brings forward into society. All of that's to say complicated stuff, but Jesus is going to get us like a very personal level at an individual level, uh, but also at the level of a community. Like, what does it mean to love your enemies and what the heck is he talking about here? Because, Yeah, something uh, me and the kids talk about a lot is uh, loving your enemies starts at like a, an individual level and at a family level. Within your family? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's it's... It basically begins with each of us, and if we are going to avoid things like a world war, that all of that trickles back to right this uh, notion of forg forgiving your enemies um, on personally, right? Yeah. We, we just we talk a lot about war because my son, one of my sons, is really interested in the wars. Hmm. He likes to read about them. He likes first world war, second world yeah, war. Yeah, yeah, mostly the twentieth twentieth century wars. Rowan. Yeah, so he's. He's been reading books like crazy about it. And mm -hmm. we'll often talk about this battle and a battle. And I just always like to remind them, like, you know, we, we never want to repeat that. If Even possible. though it sounds like fun. It was sounded like it's, fun to me when I was a kid. It can sound like fun yeah. with the video games. And yeah. The, yeah. And it can, it can almost be glorified. But, it, but like, you know, I always try to remind them, like, like we, we never want to have to be drafted. Or we never want our kids to have to go to war. Or for even for our countrymen to be engaged in a conflict overseas. We just never want that, or here. So, but that begins with how you treat your neighbor, right? Can I, I something I know about your son Rowan, which I think is is relevant, is that he likes loves to play chess. Yeah, and chess is actually one of the first like it's a war game. board games that is like a war game. <laughs> yeah. It's modeled on the idea of a war. You have a king and queen, and you've got your your side versus the other side, and the goal is to checkmate, which is to say the other the other the force, other side is force force surrender basically surrender yeah yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that Jesus, he can be over-sentimentalized as like really naive and idealistic as I was, as I was saying, but I think he's just incredibly practical, uh, but in a way that, that also um, 
will not make sense without trusting him and without his grace. He also did it. Right. Forgave like, his enemies even when they were crucified. Yeah. Luke yeah. chapter 23. Is, I, I believe it's only Luke. I looked this up just a few days ago. Yeah. Where Jesus from the cross says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing mm -hmm. as they're crucifying so it's him. It's not like he's just telling us. In theory. Yeah. You guys like, do that. Yeah. He's, uh, as always, he's the first one to live it out. There are lots of um, questions. Sometimes people talk about opposition to war as pacifism. Mm -hmm. Some people who refuse to fight or conscientious no, objectors. I really do think there are times when you have to okay. fight. Yeah. I really do. I, I mean, okay, we're getting a little philosophical here, but I really do. Well, it's not philosophical. It's pretty it's practical. Not, okay, I really do think there are yeah. times when you need to fight. Okay. When th something matters enough that you have to fight for it and, and take up arms. I really do think that. What I was trying to, what I'm always trying to say to the boys is, we we always want to avoid that if possible. It sometimes isn't possible to avoid. That's mm -hmm. that's a given. However, we should work, try hard, in our own lives and in our world to try and avoid it as much as possible. Well, this is such a big right? subject. I, I disagree do you, do, with you. Do you okay. disagree with me? Yeah, I do. That's okay. No, you don't think it's ever necessary to go to arms? No, I don't. I don't. I, I have a different way of thinking about it. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Well, let's hear it. It's really complicated, but. Maybe it's worth it. Okay. Well, mine was pretty simple. So, usually the simple answer is correct. <laughs> that's a that's a very strong philosophical statement that I disagree with. That's called Occam's oh. Razor. Okay. William of Occam was a great. You disagree with that too? Yeah. Occam's Razor. I do disagree with Occam's Razor. Okay. People believe science is based on simple is probably correct. Go with a simple explanation. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's always correct. It just yeah, means no. it usually is. It's a guide. It's a guideline. Yeah. Uh, so. Mm, I mean, I think that um, courage and cowardice kind of uh, play off each other. Courage is a virtue of um, being willing to take on risks when you're facing a threat, right? So the, the act of fighting may not be actually an act of courage if you have overwhelming force on your side. In fact, it's pretty easy. There's no courage involved. You just destroy your opponent. Um, and I guess the question is, uh, for Christians, I believe, especially, how do we make sense of what martyrs do? What, do mart what are martyrs doing? One of the things that we, we know is true of every, everyone, which, I, which is where I, I do agree with you, is we have an obligation to protect the innocent people who depend on us. That's an obligation the church recognizes. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the question is how? And a lot, I think, will be colored by, uh, I've had a lot of conversations about this, like where I come from again. I, I do talk about that because that's where, I'm, literally, I'm, I'm from. Um, the Christians, Catholics in particular, were like a very minuscule part of the population. Like 95% plus of the people around us were devout Muslims of one kind or another. Some were very violent, some were very relatively peaceful, and some got along with each other. Some the, most of the violence in, in my country, home country, Pakistan, was Muslims trying to kill Muslims and succeeding in large measure. But also, we were aware then that our country is what one author called like an airstrip for the U.S. Like the U.S. projected power into neighboring countries like Iran and Afghanistan by having bases in my home country of Pakistan. Okay, so... What, about, what does that have to do with us as Christians? I guess I would say um, our, we, we, have to kind of cut, we, have to, we have to be able to cut through, I think, to what is our deepest identity, like who are, who are we really, and what does it mean to protect people? So I'm thinking of one of, like the, one of the early martyrs, a saint, the saint's Perpetua and Felicity. And I think Perpetua was a mother. One of them was a mother. And as she's being martyred, she basically gives her, her baby, whom she's nursing, so a young baby, to another woman to take care of. She just goes and, be, and is martyred. She's like, she does not, and the, and the Christian community does not try to protect those people being martyred. Why? 
it, it has to do it with understanding of what is our, our ultimate destiny, what is God calling us to. So I'm going to say we look really different because we have this idea of martyrdom for the sake of the gospel. And I don't think there are easy solutions. I actually don't think there are easy solutions as to how that works out in practice when you're trying to like, like everybody care for the people who depend on us, including protecting them. How do you protect people? I don't know. That's actually not easy to figure out. No. Like the odds in the country where I come from would be like probably literally like a thousand to one. A thousand to one odds are like really bad odds mm -hmm. if you're trying to fight. Yeah. So I've lit I remember literally when I was a kid, a mob of like, let's just say a hundred angry men who were like outside where I lived, which was a quadruplex, two, two places, two places, like a, and they were all like members of the Catholic community who were living there, families we knew, part of the, part of our, our local parish, uh, St. Patrick's Parish, as it was, Cathedral Parish back there. The reason the mob was there is because somebody had been stand, stabbed with a taxi stand just a, just a short distance away from where we lived. And apparently the attacker or killer had, had gone to hide somewhere behind where we lived. This mob of people are there. I have this vivid memory of kind of hiding. It was the middle of the night and just like hoping the mob would go away. Our neighbor, his name was Harry, we call him Uncle Harry, went out in the balcony to try to tell them like, we don't know anything about this. And it's like the people, the men there threw rocks at him and stuff. And I don't know, like it could have been a pretty scary. bad scene. Yeah, scary yeah. scene, right? So it's like when the odds are like that, it's not like you can't do anything about it to protect the people you care about, but it's like that the, the ability to protect people when the odds are so much against you is like basically nil. Yeah. I don't know. I, and the thing is, I agree with you. Like, I, I think in order to align my viewpoint with yours, I would just need to add that at times we are called to be martyrs. Right. I would add we, all, we are always called to be martyrs. Okay. Because our goal is the salvation of the souls of our enemies. Right. Um, yeah. And it's not all about this, this material life and preserving life here. And... Yeah. But we don't neglect. We, do, we are supposed to care for ourselves and for the people that depend on us. And like, I don't know. I don't have answers to these questions that are like going to always work in practice. But I do know that we have a mission. Your argument works better in terms of self-defense than it does defense of the innocent or defense of someone else. Yeah. How, I mean, how do you def defend the innocent people who depend on you, your children yeah. and, and old Whereas people? Whereas if it came stuff? to me and someone was like, you're a Christian, I'm going to kill you. Well. You don't care? Okay. <laughs> but if they're going to kill you. Free to heaven. But if you're going <laughs> to, maybe. But, you know. Hopefully. Yeah, it would be a, certainly a little different if it was. It would be a lot different. It would be a lot different for me as a yeah. dad, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is complicated. We should keep, we should uh, keep Do our backgrounder, on. keep going. Our backgrounder. It, it'll get into but it. I like it because it is about forgiving your enemy, forgiving your enemy. Your well, enemies. loving your enemies. Loving your enemies. Right? Yeah. Here's the backgrounder. Okay. Take it away. So Jesus commands his followers to do what seems to be impossible. How could ordinary people possibly love our enemies? I mean, it's hard enough to uh, deal with the emotions of being hurt or humiliated when we're personally uh, facing attack, verbally say, without trying to actively to love those who have harmed us. Jesus does not back down from this command. In fact, he gives a detailed explanation. We are to pray for those who persecute us so that we may be children of our Father in heaven. And even, he says, to be perfect as he is perfect. Jesus' explanation of how to turn the other cheek is more is about more than just not striking back at the other person. In fact, the specific examples he gives includes um, giving back more to people who are suing us, or going the extra mile when people ask for help, and giving to everyone who asks. So in the Old Testament, God taught his people to love their neighbors. That was Leviticus chapter 19. That's, it. That's really great. I mean, it's a first stage, though, which invites us to go out of ourselves towards others. But in the New Testament, we're asked for more, which is, again, love your enemies. Jesus asks us for something only because God has shown us how, that is to love our enemies. Here's a quote from, the, from Paul writing to the Romans. 
For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we'll, we'll be, be saved by his life. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Paul is basically saying that we are God's enemies. And, and he did not protect his son. In fact, he allowed his son to give himself up for us while we were still his enemies. So when Jesus tells us his disciples to love our enemies, he is inviting us to be like our father. But how to love our enemies? How can we be perfect? Which is what he says, as God is perfect. So I would say to be perfect is the work of a lifetime and even beyond. Uh, it's being perfected. Finding ourselves able to love our enemies is surely the action of God's grace, which we receive while we're being saved. That's what Paul said. The abundant blessings God has planned for us in this life and in the life to come are given to us as we become more like God. God's blessings on us shows us his love, but as he blesses us, we are changed. We become people who can share God's blessings on others. Look at that weird thing in the middle. Ooh, anyway. Uh, to shower blessings, God's blessings on others, including our enemies. Basically, the middle. It just the, the background had disappeared. For a moment, there were like these weird colored bars that showed up. Seriously. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know what that was. Weird. Probably a psyop. Maybe. Uh, what's a psyop? Never mind. Um, basically, God allows us to love our enemies. We can love our enemies because we belong to God. That's our background for this week. I haven't solved anything, but let's see what. Uh, no, what let's we have hear more questions. Yeah. Okay, let's see what Jesus has to say about this. Mm -hmm. But first we're going to pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> God, our Father, we praise and thank you for this day. We ask you, Lord, to make us humble. We ask you, Lord, to give us docile hearts and to soften us, to hear your word, to receive the message you have for us. Help us to let, help us to let go of the weaknesses that we have, the fears that we have, to be transformed by your word today. Lord, open our hearts to you and allow the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. Give us your grace and your, and your mercy today. Praise and thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you salute only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard it. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic and over your cloak as well, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, 
so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you salute only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What you got, Sam? Or what are you hearing? What am I hearing? Mm-hmm. Well, the line that stands out to me is he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. Hmm. Um, I was trying to th real, trying to think of why. Hmm. I think because, well, I guess it's it's a little bit obvious that God withholds his punishment. So they're like, so God is merciful, but also just. Yep. Okay. He's also a God of justice. And it says many places in scripture and that um, one day we will face judgment for our actions, for our mm -hmm. thoughts, for our mm -hmm. words. Uh, we'll be held to account for all of our decisions. Yeah. Good or bad. Yep. In our lifetime. However, it's delayed. The judgment is delayed. And which means that now God blesses um, slavery. I mean, idolatry. Well, I guess slavery too. Blesses? He, bl he, he blesses the people that do evil. Right. Including you and me. Um, that's, a, that's an important point, that yeah. you're evil. Yeah. I mean... I didn't say I'm evil. Well... I know I am too. You know, like there's this there's this notion too that, um, and I know it's it's in scripture in a bunch of places. I was thinking of the blind, the man born blind. Right. This guy that was born blind. In Jewish culture, they assumed that the parent he had sinned or the parents had sinned, and sure. that's why he who was, was blind. it who sinned? He or who was it who sinned? They ask him. Yeah. Um, this man or his parents? Yeah. Right. That like there's this notion that if you if you sin, then for generations you're you there'd be a curse upon your family. Right. Okay. And I think that's sort of trickled down to us today, that that idea that if something bad is happening to me, it's because of it's because God is punishing me. Mm -hmm. Okay. In fact, I had a young person ask me just last week um, why God was causing them to suffer. Mm -hmm. Right? Why is God doing this to me? Was kind of the question. Sure. I think that might have actually been literally mm -hmm. how they put it. And it's a great question. But it's the wrong question, right? Are you sure it's the wrong question? I've often asked God why he's doing this. I know, to but me. I think it's the wrong question because okay. um, God isn't punishing you. Um, yes, God knows about what's happening and and there are things happening to you that are bad. And God hasn't necessarily, that we know of, stepped in and erased your suffering. Sure. Right? Those things are all true. But to attribute to him a motive that he's he's trying to hurt you. That is not true. So going back to the line from Matthew chapter 5 here, he allows his, um, he the makes sun, the sun makes rise the sun on rise. the evil and on the good. Yeah. Yeah. The sun still comes up whether you've sinned or not, right? For everybody. For everybody. And yes, someday you'll be, you'll be called to account for the, the mistakes you've made. Um, but I really, I really, and I told this person, um, God still wants your good. God is still fighting for you as a father would for his child. Pardon the, pardon the no, word No, no, that's good. That's good. I like it. He's, I like it. I think God it's good. is still on your fighting on your side yeah, I think for it's you. Good. I think we should stick with that. Yeah. He loves you. He cares about you. You are yeah. his child. He would do literally anything for you, proven by the fact that he sacrificed his own son for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 
And that is his attitude toward you, whether you're a sinner or not, and no matter what you've done, right? Okay. Um, the things that are happening to you are, and to me, and to you, are a result of our of brokenness and original sin in our world. Mm -hmm. We don't always know why. We don't know why people are taken suddenly before their time. We don't know why, why we suffer, why we have health problems. We don't know those things. But what we do know is that God loves us and is working. He's on our side. He's fighting for us. He's in the always, always working for our good. Maybe I could jump in with my my How's mind, which sound? ties into you. Is that okay? I like it a lot, but I, I want to respond it, to it. I, yeah, I, I I need that message too. Oh yeah. Like that's not. I wasn't just telling this person that because I'm like, I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. God is on my side, right? And He has not abandoned us. Yeah. The um the phrase that came up I, were two for me, which relates to what you said. Your Father who is in heaven and your heavenly Father. So. I think that's actually a big deal because while God's called a father a couple times in the Old Testament in general, usually referring to he's the father of Israel, Israel is like his child, his son, a couple of times in the Old Testament, Jesus really wants you to know that God is your father. Now he's talking to a bunch of people um, and he's saying to everyone there, which includes, for instance, Judas who betrayed him, your father in heaven, your heavenly father. Um, I think that to me is like the biggest deal of all is that we just belong to God. We belong to God in a way that the best word to describe how we belong to God is He's our Father. And we're His children. And we're His children. Extension, yeah. Yeah. But that um, that's really weird. I, see, I, I wonder, does God actually do whatever He can to protect us? I don't think so. I, I don't well, think no, so. Well, no, He doesn't. But but what I mean is He He, he wills our good. So, right? but that doesn't always that doesn't always mean <clears throat> like think about those of you who are parents. You are. I am. Mm -hmm. You don't always give your kid what they want or what they think they want in the moment. Sometimes you let things happen to them, even things you know might hurt them. Yeah. Because in the long run, it's what's best. Not just the long run, though. Like, I don't know. The long run is tricky. Okay, I just mean even though they may not think it's best. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, you still give your kid vegetables even if they don't like vegetables. Right. Very simple example. So, I want to I make this really kind of because you know they don't blunt for us you can see that the vegetables are going to help them even though they can't i just want to mention something that you're, you and i are both aware of that <coughs> go for it most people are aware of is that within the body of christ never mind about others out there just like within us we're dealing with like really serious evil in the church continually um specifically to be really blunt is adults harming children <clears throat> that's in the church like our brothers and sisters include people who are innocent victims and perpetrators of evil. And they're still within the body of Christ. And I would do whatever I could, which has been not enough. If had I known, I would have done more to protect innocent people in our community from people in our community who farmed them. But I know this is important to both of us to say this is like our community includes people who've harmed innocent children. It does. That's tough. Like, how do we, like, you're allowing your children to be around people who've harmed children. You are. So mm -hmm. am I. I've, I've done mm -hmm. that. Right? Okay. What's that like? Because I'm saying we want to protect our children. I want to protect my kids. My kids are adults, especially when they're little. If I imagine, I hope to have grandchildren. I don't knowingly let my kids be around people that would yes, you potentially do. harm them. No, I don't. Okay. Like, depending on the situation. I, I remember years ago, I was um, a spiritual advisor to a group included included somebody who had been convicted of sexual assault of children yeah. okay. who was a member of the church. Right. And he was 
he went to mass regularly. I hope he still does. Yeah. His faith still matters to him. And, and a few of us who knew, I didn't know a lot about his situation. I didn't need to really, but we, we cared about him as a person and he was part of the community. Still is, I hope. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? No. You know what I'm trying to say? No. Like there's a guy going to mass who was convicted of sexual abuse, Oh, I know, abuse, but where, right? I, I, so, I, I, so I'm not kids, getting the connection to this with the father thing. Well, we're allowing our kids to go to mass in the same community as somebody, at least one person, probably more than one, in that situation. To go to mass, of course, yes. Right, to yeah. be around. Yeah. To perhaps develop a relationship of trust and like vulnerability with no. that person. Okay, that, how do we stop that? <laughs> how do we stop that? I'm, I'm being a I little pushy. I until that point. Well, we are though. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. All right. <laughs> There's no developing of relationship. So you you would say you you would be careful that your kids don't develop a relationship of trust with somebody who has shown themselves capable of harming other people. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Okay, what would you say? I'm saying that I I have a responsibility as a father. Yes. To ensure that yes. that as much as possible. Yes. Obviously, not always 100 percent possible. Um, to ensure, to the best of my ability, that that doesn't happen. Right. Sure. That makes sense to me. So, no, on my watch, there will not be any relationships being developed. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I know what you mean. I, I'm, I think it's hard. Uh, yeah, I, it's of really course hard. it's hard. But, like, yeah, being in, this, in the same building with someone is different than... No. I, don't, I, I still don't get why you're... Why, you're, why am I even mentioning this? Yeah. Like does this have to do with forgiveness of enemies? Church is a dangerous place to be because there are people in church who have harmed other people. Okay. That's what I'm saying. And? And they're still part of the community. And we still need to love them and support them. They're still part of the community. That's yes, right. They're still course. part of the body of Christ. Yeah. That's yeah, all that I'm saying. I can agree with. Yeah. yeah. It was when you started bringing my kids into it. Like, uh, your kids are in And them it. developing a relationship with people. How do you, I, I don't know, like, how do you protect kids in this situation is something that is, like, really hard is what I would say. Oh, of course, yeah. Because yep. you're, you're not saying that person doesn't belong here, keep them away. They do belong here, but yeah. you also want to protect them. In, in a context. Right. Right. We don't keep them out of the church. Yep. There's a, there's a, a an appropriate level of inclusion mm -hmm. for, for people that have done, that we know of that have done, have done things. Sure. Um, to, to children and other people. You're right. I'm and, just trying to be blunt. Like, is that too blunt? It's like, well, I don't, I just, reality. I don't know. That seems kind of obvious to me. It's not obvious. Some people would just say, hey, keep those people away from kids, period. Never mind. Not even at mass. Not like, not, not nothing. They should not be here. I'm worried we're going to get emails over this. Well, I hope we do. <laughs> I know I'm kind of whatever. Starting thought. <laughs> of course you are. The views and opinions represented on the... Da, 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 da. Because say those on the be... other hand, I go to great lengths to make sure that, for instance, I run the, I run the youth group. Yes. I work with vulnerable people in the church. Yes. We go to great lengths to make sure, as much as possible, yes. that they are not exposed to any form of harm. Absolutely. While they're here, while we're looking after them and sure. they're in our care. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like, no, I, I, but I know what you mean. We still have to love and forgive those that have harmed other people. Which includes they get to be part of our community. They get to be part of our community in yeah. a way. Yes. Absolutely. I think Jesus. It's not was, possible, and it's it's really their right. Everyone has a right to belong to the church in some way. We can't keep them away from mass or from celebrating with us. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, we are, there are limits. There we are, can keep them away. We can, but we. I mean, we can't in terms of their rights as a person. Yeah. Um, but we we can certainly mitigate any possible 
harm that they may cause there. I'm just trying to bring this close to home because it is. For, it is for me as well. Not a little just too you. close to home, yes, me. I know. I get it. That's, that's, I think these words of Jesus are, are intended for us right now because we're in this situation right now. It's not just about like the Russians or the Chinese or the UFOs or the, or the Martians or even, you know, our prime minister or the president. It's like our enemies are like right in amongst us. They're part of who we are yeah. as, as a community. Yeah. As Judas was with the apostles uh, within, within, within the first few months or, or sooner uh, of the Christians, after, after Pentecost, after they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have like conflict and even like serious division um, amongst the Christians that like include pretty serious issues arising. The letters of the New Testament are all written to, written to communities where people are like falling apart, no longer loving each other as they should. So Paul writes these letters, John writes these letters, Peter writes these letters. They're all like reminding their, the brothers and sisters in Christ, hey, we have to be people who love our enemies because often the enemies were not just, they, they were certainly from the outside trying to get at the Christians, but also within the community itself, they're, they're, they're like enemies. They're like, I don't know, serious opposition. Yeah. I just think we can't get away from it. Like, who's, oh, no. who's yeah. safe to be around, right? Well, and we, we, I mean, yeah, uh, you, you use a very specific example. I think that's what threw me off. Yes, I am. Because it's not like it's just about them 2,000 years ago. That's yeah. too easy, I mean, like, right? even even in, like, fa like, like our families, of there course. are people that, like, have done things. I know in my family there is. Yeah. Right? Mine too. And, and it's, like, in a lot of families, those things destroy the family. Yep. It like tears it apart. It splits it into 20 pieces. And mm -hmm. The people no longer are family. They no longer behave as family. It's similar to that. It's like, it's like, like what, like what Charles put here in the background or Jesus asks the impossible, mm -hmm. right? It seems impossible. We need grace to do it. It's like, um, I know I'm thinking of a particular example in my family where it takes a lot of grace to be able to, and, and humility. It's, it's an exercise in humility. Because I think you mentioned this in here too, our pride keeps us from forgiving, from loving our enemy because we think it like will minimalize what they've done or like, right? Yeah, like right, we're, right. We're if afraid them, of letting taking... go. We're afraid of letting go of the things they've done sure. and not dwelling on them because, yep. because it hurts so much and we're afraid it'll just like validate their or, you know, that make it, make it not a big deal what they've done, mm -hmm. right? I think I, that's what keeps us from forgiving too. It's, I, I listen to um, AM radio. Sports Talk Radio. But it was actually a really good conversation. Oh Why am I doing that, hey? AM Sports Talk that's Radio. You're, like, you're my enemy now. I know. I hope you love me. Hey, that was good. <laughs> it was really good how he did that. Oh, you're willing to come back. Yeah, okay. I'm that actually reminds me of the, the story the guy was talking about. So this one oh, guy. We even friends. Sports Talk Radio? No, it's really like There's two things lame. about that I hate. Sports and talking. No, you don't hate talking. You hate no, I hate when other people talk about sports, though. Oh, right. Fair enough. Sports and talking about sports. The guy, the guy, one of the people is like an announcer on the radio station, just had a book published about growing up with a father who's alcoholic. Uh, okay. I was thinking about that. I think yeah, it's, rele yeah. it's relevant to what we're talking about. Not many people can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't hear the whole conversation. I haven't seen the book or anything like that. But what he was saying is, sorry, he wanted to keep supporting his father, but supporting his father included having, cutting out contact with him at times. Yeah. Right. So like. He didn't use the word love, but I, I got from this just a few minutes of a snippet of a conversation on the air, on the radio. He still loves his father, mm. but he just can't allow his father to be in his life when his father's drinking and like doing really horrible things 
because he drinks. Sure. But it also includes never writing his father off, which I really appreciated the guy was saying. Mm, yeah. He's not going to write his father well, it off. Takes, it just takes a lot of maturity too, right? Oh, yeah. Like impossible yeah. amounts of maturity. Like, like Miraculous amounts. Well, I think grace-filled. And I don't know if the mm -hmm. guy's a Christian or not. I didn't hear the whole story. But just at, at a human level, which we are still as Christians, of course, is like he was saying like recently his dad relapsed. You need to cut him off again. I'm not having anything more to do with you. When the book came out, his dad reached out to him and really wanted to talk because he was very open about what his father was like when he was young. And But he said, the way my dad was communicating with me was very positive. So now I've kind of reopened the connection and I'm willing to like re-engage with my dad, uh, which I think is kind of what Jesus is talking about, and even if it's AM Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, well, that's relevant, sure. Yeah. I, I guess um, back to the uncomfortable situation you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, that just reminds me that like, Loving your enemies doesn't mean that everything has to go back to the way it was. Or right. I'm thinking of like a couple that just can't, for whatever reason, live together. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's abuse, maybe substance abuse, something like that. It's not wrong for them to separate right. when needed. Yep. Or for the children to be protected from one or the other. Or one or the parents. other. Sometimes both I mean, parents. that's part of your responsibility. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and it's the same with the church. Loving our enemies as a church and as Christians doesn't necessarily mean just, you know, letting everybody who wants to run the altar server program yeah. or whatever it is. Which is for kids, basically. Right, just for kids. Yeah. Um, like it means being, it also means being a good, responsible stewards of the people in our care mm -hmm. and looking after them. Um, yeah. It also means that for people who are outside the church, visibly outside the church, when I put it in quotes, that's what I meant, visibly outside the church, we're not just drawing in people or trying to reach people who are basically fine. In fact, we have a special responsibility to people who are kind of broken up by sometimes their own sinfulness mm -hmm. or the sin done to them by others. And all those people, if you've been close to really serious evil, are broken. Yeah. And when they come to us and we seek them out on purpose, because we know we have a special mission to them, to people especially who are broken by the power of evil, mm -hmm. to love them means you're going to love people who have developed probably toxic ways or harmful ways of behaving, which are sinful, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't say, no, we don't want you to come here because we're just going to keep, we're just going to bring in the good people, which means we put our members, those who are here already at risk because we're continually reaching out to people who are broken. I'm sorry, but I think it's true. It's true. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Like, I think those Pharisees, when they say, like, the, the Pharisees murmuring against Jesus, Luke chapter 15, because he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. Actually, Pharisees are probably safer to be around than tax collectors and sinners. Pharisees are really, like, look down on you, but they're not, like, they're not so out of control in their life that they're going to harm you unpredictably, like some of those tax collectors and sinners. Let's assume, which I think is accurate, some of them probably were, were alcoholics, some of them were prostitutes, some of them were pimps, you know, like whatever harmful behaviors. Those are the people Jesus literally went and ate with. Yeah. And wants us to do the same, like you do sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like 100% risk-free is like an illusion. It's not real. But even, but, like, we're basically, I don't know, I'm, I would propose we're basically called to take more risks than most people would prudently take. If you said, I want to raise my kids to be safe, you would just keep them away, period, from anybody yeah. who's engaging in really harmful behaviors. Right, you keep them inside walls. Right. Right, you wall them off from, from the rest of the world, which some Christians do mm -hmm. in an effort to protect their children and other people yeah. and their family from the outside. 
both literally and metaphorically put mm -hmm. up walls around their family. Around the innocent members around of the, the family. Innocent members who, of the need, family. Who do actually need protection. The, thing is, the desire to do that is good. Yeah. Because it's like the reason you would want to exclude a person that is your enemy. Yeah. Or has done something to you or someone else. Or is, or is prepared or an to innocent harm people. person. Right. Is, is to avoid them doing it again. I mean, it's like, sure. that's actually a good thing to want, right? Yeah. And that's, I think, why Jesus, what he's saying here is so radical. I mean, it really is a, so it's I, a radical statement to love your enemies. It really is. But I think To turn the other cheek, to just let them harm you again. In a way. In a way, or be willing to for them to harm you again, right? I have heard one it's of the interpretations shocking. of turn the other cheek is, you're actually doing something positive in that situation. You're not just letting yourself. You're saying, okay, is that the worst you can do? Don't do it again. See what happens. Because you're, you're, it's, a, it's in a sense an act of defiance to turn the other cheek. You're, you're not backing down when you're turning the other cheek. Uh, like St. Martin perhaps could have been seen that way. It's like, okay, you think I'm a coward? Put me in the front lines without any armor on. I'm willing to go because I trust that's where the Lord wants me to be and that's mm -hmm. what he wants me to be. Um, I think this is a really tough one. And if you want to be a Christian, it's not so that you can make your life safer. But that's, we got to balance that because we actually want people to, to have a sanctuary where they're not just continually exposed to the powers of evil and darkness around them. We've got, we've got to say, we are here to be a sanctuary. I, I don't know. The, I don't think there are easy answers to that. I really don't. No, I, I, do, I think um, the virtue that's coming to mind is prudence. Yes. I mean, I like we have that. to be prudential. Yeah. About... As I, I'm speaking as a leader. Yes. And as a parent. And as a youth leader. And as a youth leader. Like, I mean, yeah. you have to be prudent. And prudence is also has to come into play. It's mm -hmm. a, but, and it, it doesn't mean you don't love the sinner. But it does mean you you do have safeguards in place for, for people. So that they can feel safe mm -hmm. and confident there. But you're right. We don't become Christians because we think it'll make us safe. As Jesus is saying, you yeah. know, and his, his early followers... It's pretty much guaranteed that they were going to be mistreated, mishandled, and even killed. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, right now, it's not like that in the West, but it's moving in that seems direction. Seems like it's always moving in that direction. Yes, which is a thought I both fear and embrace at the same time. You embrace it more than I do. Well, why? I, I don't think, know if I'll have the think if there's. Cojones. I don't think I do. I'm a coward <laughs> kind of thing. But <laughs> but you can it's be joyful, easy. a joyful follower of Jesus. In a way that, in a, some ways, when I've seen here in the present situation, which is relatively safe, seen people who are like beginning to step out of the darkness that has held them down, and and find a source of hope that only Jesus can be for them through through us through our presence here, and not just here but other places where I've seen Christians offering that to people, it's so joyful. It really is. It's like no, we don't have innocent cures. No, we don't like we're not going to magically turn people who have been prey to alcohol, to being free of alcohol. But we can be a community. That's just one example. There are many others where we say, like, we're all sinners. We all need grace. We all need healing. We all need help. Um, and this is a place where we can we can find that around the cross. And it's like, I was thinking about this last week at the Unify session, which if people want, they can watch. Is like, I didn't say this out loud, but I was thinking, the safest place in the world is at the foot of the cross, even though, obviously, the people who were there, literally at the foot of Jesus' cross when he was being crucified, Mary, a few other women, and the beloved disciple John, they were like the most difficult <coughs> people on earth at that point. Because like, <clears throat> who do you kill after you kill Jesus? Well, you go after the people who are there. Yet, that's the safest place to be in the world. His mother, his best friend. Yeah. A few yeah. other women. A few other women, yeah. Yep. Yeah. His closest friends, closest relatives. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But his, it was a his his most of his disciples were not ready for that yet. They most of them had and fled. Ran, yeah. Especially the other eleven apostles. Even Ju even Judas right who even Judas probably who betrayed him probably did so because he thought that Jesus were taking too many risks and heading in the wrong direction. That were probably safer ways of bringing about the kingdom of God than the path Jesus was taking. So it's like Jesus was actually being Judas was being prudent at a purely human level. Maybe this is a big one. I don't think we've uh, we're going to sell this today, but I'm glad we had this chance to talk about it and reflect on this and say like, okay, Jesus, where are we going with this? Because this is really hard. That's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. You look uncomfortable, which I like. I'm always glad you look uncomfortable. Yep. I feel like my work here is done because I feel really uncomfortable about the whole thing myself. So I'm not the only one in this boat yeah, with uh, love you your neighbor, see, love your enemy. Charles and I don't always see eye to eye. No. We're figuring this stuff out too. Yes. And uh, if you have anything to say, feel free to give us a shout. We'll talk about it on the air. If we got you mad somehow. Yeah, if we ticked you off today, let us know. Or if you really like what we said, we'd like to know that too. Yeah, as if. But maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. I love being a Christian, but it's really hard. So we, shall we pray? Go for it. I'd, I could certainly use it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, I want to thank and praise you, especially because you, you just tell us that God, your Father, is our Father. You tell us that he is our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven, and that we are loved and protected by God, no matter what happens. And that's so hard for me to live with and maybe for us to live with, but we still cling to you and your promises that we are truly sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. And we know that that's not just for us, but for all those around us, for every single person, even those who are against us. Uh, you've sent us out joyfully to proclaim that God is Father of every single person and that coming to know him as your Father is absolutely the most amazing possible thing. So. We pray for all those who have harmed other people in a serious way, for their, their conversion, their repentance, and their healing. We pray for all, all those who have been victimized, that they too will receive the grace they need to grow strong and to thrive and to find the healing they also need. We pray for our community where you mix us all together and you ask us to figure this out. And we, we know we can only do this with your grace and the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus because you have shown us on the cross just who you are and who we are called to be. Amen. Amen. Sound effect? I like that sound effect. Okay, we're signing off. See you next time. End of Captain's Log. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, I lost it. <laughs>